absolutely. It depends on the uh, COR of the flagstick, so the Coefficient Restitution flagstick. In U.S. Opens, I'll take it out, and uh, every other tour event, when it's uh, fiberglass, I'll leave it in and bounce that ball against the flagstick if I need to. Hey, welcome back, podcast patrons, to another episode of Leave the Pin Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Dan, and like I promised on our Instagram story, we've got an awesome guest tonight. we got Patrick Koenig, uh, the man who literally up and went and toured the entire U.S. in a recreational vehicle, uh, star of the RGV Tour, Instagram, golf influencer. You see him everywhere. You know his face. You know the name. Patrick, what's the good word? Oh my gosh, what an intro that was. Wow. Wow. Um, it's good. I'm out here in, in sunny Southern California. I'm a stone's throw away from the ocean, so I'm loving it. Okay. I mean, you're, you're living the dream. I'm freezing here. I think it's about 19 tonight. Um, oh. But, you know. Yeah, we had, I, was, I drove back from, uh, from the office and uh, had the top down. Um, so I'm definitely winning. If there was a weather duel, I'd be destroying you in that yeah, for category. Sure. For sure. <laughs> Um, so listen, let's, let's even, we'll get to all the stuff in the beginning and and how you toured the U S and I mean, all the contacts you've made, the people you met. Um, but what are you doing nowadays after the RGV's done after all the media for that is over with now? Um, what's life like now? Cause I want to give people an idea of what you're doing now. And then we'll kind of juxtapose that, um, to when you started the tour. Yeah, we'll go, we'll go backwards, which is, which could be good. Uh, but yeah, so after I finished the tour, there's this void. I'm like, what the heck am I going to do with my life? And for the next, uh, it's probably like six, seven months, I, I said, well, a lot of people want to have me out to their area of the country or different country or golf course. And so I traveled like aggressively um, this past this past summer. Uh, I got around and then I ran into uh, a guy by the name of Taylor Massey who works for a company called Medterra CBD. And he was... He followed me on Instagram and we got, we hit it off right away. And he said, I need some help with this. Uh, this, I mean, there's so much going on with golf and CBD. And I said, all right, let's, let's do it. I, I got along with him. I love the, uh, the environment over there. And I'm, I'm doing golf marketing and social media for Medterra CBD right now. And I love it. I love it. We're, we just got back from the PGA show and we had a great PGA show with um, the, the energy, the excitement, the stories that are coming out of people affected by um, CBD in a positive manner are, are inspiring. And uh, I, I was skeptical when I first started. And I think most people are with CBD. It's, there's not a lot of information out there. I mean, we could do a whole podcast on, on CBD. Right, right. Sure. But the long story short is that it's helping golfers play more golf. My back doesn't hurt after I played We'll talk about it, but 405 different golf courses in 365 days on the RGV tour. My only regret is I didn't have CBD then because my back <laughs> would flare up from time to time. It hasn't in the in the last six months since I've been taking Nintera. And it's, uh, I mean, you ask any golfer about lower back pain, it will just, it, that's the end. It, it, life is, is no longer no longer fun. But when you don't have it, you can enjoy everything that you love. And that's kind of the goal is to is to help golfers get out there, play more golf. And we're seeing that. So that's what I'm doing nowadays. And that's kind of that's based right around where you are in Cali. Yeah, that's in Irvine, California. Um, so I set up shop a uh, little little cozy place right here in Laguna Beach, uh, not too far from the beach. So 
it's a it's a good place to to have as my home and for you know a year i didn't my home had wheels on it so i I worried about things like like water and electricity now i have those and it's uh it's fun to not really take them for granted because you're like you know you just turn on the the faucet and you're like oh (laughs) that water runs and you're like yes this is awesome um so appreciating those sort of things i mean is more it allows you to live a more satisfying life on a much uh you know, when you're amazed by running water, that's a good thing. You know, you don't have to, you don't have to go out and get something crazy to satisfy your, your curiosity. Does that make I sense? Wanna, I want to touch on the PGA show in a second, but you made a great point as, as you spent a year on the road, right? I mean, calamities happen, things break down, you have oh. trials and tribulations. You're at a spot now where... I, I, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I would venture to say that life is probably a little bit smoother than when you were traveling. Does Patrick Koenig now of 2020, would he be able to up and travel the U.S. like you did two years ago? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that that year was unbelievably fun. There's a lot of things about it that like are not glamorous or cool or whatever you might think, but... I, I really adopted the the personas that are not the persona, but just the mantra that that's when life gets good is when stuff goes wrong. And that's when the adventure starts. That's where you learn something about yourself when you're out of your comfort zone. Uh, and that's, that's what really the things that you remember in life. Uh, not to say that it's not nice to be comfortable and, and live in a great place. It certainly is, but you really start to learn life lessons and, I mean, really just live in, and have these sort of stories when things are going wrong or you're out of your comfort zone, you're in new places, meeting new people. And that was every day on the RGV tour. I mean, probably 90% of the days that I woke up, I didn't know where I was going to sleep that night, <laughs> which is a wild thing to say. But it, I mean, so then you go play golf with a bunch of people and I'd say 80% of the time that just figures itself out which is a crazy thing to think like your caddy remember when South Carolina playing May river, my caddy was a great dude. We had a great day. He's like, Oh, why don't you just come over and sleep in my front yard? I would just pull the rig right up there. I'm right by the river. So, I mean, I pulled up my, my RV and you know, we, we shot the, we can't use, can we use the S word on here? You can use <laughs> Yeah. Use whatever word you want. <laughs> well, we shot the shit for uh, down there by the river. And, uh, and you know, it was, one of those cool things, I probably have 75 different, maybe 80, 100 different stories like that. If I could remember them all, I would. Um, but they're all interesting about people inviting me to their homes, invited me into their driveways more often than not uh, for, for meals. And it's just unbelievable how many people are when they kind of realize what you're doing. And we were doing it for the first tee as well. We were raising money as well. Obviously, I get to live the journey and golf the golf. And that was uh, that was very exciting for myself but then to toss in the charitable aspect we raised over twenty thousand dollars for the first tee of greater seattle and so with that uh, two things that that's really amazing is that the amount was with the people that just gave um there was no no it was like nothing too formal about signing up and you'd have to do this to play with me or whatever it was i just wanted to play with anybody that wanted to do it and then people would give like five ten bucks at a time twenty bucks um, and, and then it all added up, you know, every day somebody give a little bit here and there. And then we started making a difference. And what that does is allows the first tee of greater Seattle to give 
young golfers the opportunity to play the game that they might not have had before. Um, a scholarship to hit range balls or to get involved with with the, the chapter out there. And Evan does a fantastic job out there with the with the first team. I mean, Evan is the, the program director out there, and he's the sort of guy you want your kids to hang out with and learn about the game because um, he's fun. He loves what he does, and he I mean, he's an outstandingly good human being, uh, a better human being than I am, which is is cool to say. And um, I, I gladly I gladly hand it over all the all the cash and say, Evan, you know what you're doing. Make a difference in the lives, and I'm sure he has over this this past year. Um, yeah, the only regret is that I couldn't keep going and do a, do more, do it every year. Uh, <laughs> I think it's good to take a break because it's that's an aggressive thing and have an end in, in sight. So you're kind of working towards that goal. But absolutely, given the right circumstances, I I jump up again, do it in a heartbeat. Very cool. So I mean, this this is obviously something that. You know, you're sitting at a bar with your buddies after a round. You're on the course. Uh, you know, they say, hey, man, imagine if you had no responsibilities. Like, imagine if, you know, I didn't have to go to that job or I didn't have to watch the kids this weekend or stuff. Like, I would love to go to, you know, whatever place and play for the weekend. And you took that and multiplied that, like, times 52, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So but I guess my biggest question is, so most people would kill to do this, right? A hundred percent. Like you talk to any golfer and you probably saw a ton at the PGA show. And you know, th this is like a golfer's dream. So people would kill to do it, but most people actually wouldn't. Right. What was the catalyst for you after having this kind of idea in your head and, and maybe going through the thought process, what actually lit the spark to kind of ignite this journey? It there wasn't like a moment where I'm like, yep, I'm, I'm doing this. Um, it was just kind of, I, I was getting more and more involved in course photography and I was growing my following on Instagram. So I was really interested in that and passionate about that. And I was doing a sales job that I was good at, but um, I think, you know, like anything, you start finding another passion and, and one was just taking over. So um, it was kind of like just this growing movement of me going towards the golf industry, having these opportunities in golf that I really wanted to do. And I was excited about them. It just got to a point where it was like, there's more going on in this side. that's like making me happy and interested. And like, this is what I love. And then that my, my other career um, was, was okay, but it was like, I'm not, I don't want to mail it in here on both of these, both of these fronts where you got two different things. You just can't do both of them. So I said, let's, let's, let's just kind of do it. I mean, and I had the idea for this. So I started, putting different pieces in, not like fully convinced myself that I was going to, cause you got to make me think about it. You got to quit your job and you got to move into the a vehicle in your driveway. And then that's it. All right, now, now real quick, did you, <laughs> did you own this beforehand or did you go out and purchase the, the RV specifically for the trip? Purchase it specifically for the trip. So once I bought the RV, that was, that was, you're in, you're not going to spend yeah, 60 grand you're committed. on a car. And then just be like, oh, never mind. No, no. Once I had the RV, I was like, this is, it wasn't, once I pulled it up, I, I, a couple of weeks, I actually got it since I took off. So once I put that, wrote that check and I saw it, I was like, started doing some stuff and getting things ready. It's, you know, the, looking back the beginning stages, I was, I, I knew so little about RVs and the life that I was preparing to live you know, look at me in the middle of the summer, or like late fall, where I felt like I had my my stride on. I like knew what I was doing. Um, 
it's two different people and it's really really cool thing to look back at it the further i get away from it now because it's been it's been a you know a year since i've i went on this this little journey and uh, it just gets better and better i look back at it and i'll smile something will remind me of this state or that state when i meet somebody from a state um i I pretty much have been to where they've been to, um, having visited everywhere. So that's really cool um, that I can be like, oh, yeah, it's a good state. That's cool. I like I was right there. Um, <laughs> and no matter where they were in the United States. Uh, so it's neat. I've seen every place and they, I have all these great memories from literally everywhere. I have some like cool day or like some amazing story. from, <laughs> And it's just uh, I'll remember them from time to time. And it's always just brings a smile on my face. I'm like, my God, I'm glad I did that. That was awesome. Now you played in every state, and correct me if I'm wrong, but Nebraska, right? Was Nebraska yeah. the state you got snowed out in? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's I played in Nebraska before, so it's not, okay. It's not a it's not a heartbreaker. I've seen a lot of golf in Nebraska, actually. Um, but I was uh, by the time I got to Colorado, met with my friend Kenzie O'Connell, which I think some people probably know who Kenzie is. Sure. And uh, it started snowing. Kenzie and I weren't able to play golf. Uh, but she did come out to play golf with me in Pinehurst. She lives in Denver. So by the time I got to Denver, I was going to scoot over to Nebraska. It was like 30 degrees and snowy. Um, and Denver's like that. I think like a week later, it was 70 degrees and everybody was golfing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, if you know, you think about it, I don't have time to sit around and not golf. I have to golf every day. So I think there was a day there where I didn't golf, which really was like super depressing. And uh I I took off. I remember I took off down to New Mexico, played this great club called Black Mesa the next day, where it was warm enough to golf. Black Mesa is really good, but nobody ever goes there um, because you know it's such an odd spot. There's maybe one great golf course out there, and very few people are going to just go to New Mexico to play one round of golf. But I had the fortune to have that. You know, I just like there's a good golf course over here that I want to see. I would just go and it's like two, three hours. It's not much of a drive when that's your chore for the day. Uh, but don't get me wrong. It wasn't that simple. I was doing, I did a podcast. You plan the trip as you go. You're editing hundreds of photos. You're creating social media content and then you're driving and then you're golfing. So it was a nonstop. I love to do every, every single thing that I did, but there was, there was not a lot of stopping um, what I was doing uh, except for sleeping. And I, and I just loved it every day. Yeah, well, when you crunch the numbers in the amount of golf courses that you played, the amount of rounds you played, in the amount of time you played, and then you look at the amount of photos that you uploaded and, you know, the RGV podcast that you were putting out at that time and all those things, you know, like I follow along and I'm going like, how does Patrick have 30 hours in a day and I only have 24 in order to get all this <laughs> stuff done? It's, it's kind of insane and it does. It becomes a full-time job, one in which you love, but – did you ever feel like, like, do you ever want to go back and, and maybe do it a little bit slower? Do you know what I'm saying? And, and kind of, were, were things rushed at all because of like, oh, I've got to get these pictures downloaded before I go out tomorrow. And, you know, and I'm meeting this person, I'm meeting that person. Yeah. I, you know, I was, that's a good question. Would I slow it down? Um, I felt like it was pretty good, like pretty much my pace, like the rule for me was to have fun. That was my number one goal. Cause I went through my own personal savings to fund this thing. It wasn't like I got a bunch of sponsors and went out and tried to make, make a bunch of money off of this. Um, it was a, it was a personal mission that I'd wanted to do for some time. And so I said, 
if you're going to spend all that money, the number one goal has to be fun. Because if you're creating a content you're, and you're doing Instagram and like people will know if you're not having fun doing this, and then there's no, there's no point. So yeah, that you've got to enjoy one. it. Right. Yeah. So that was my number one goal. And if I didn't want to do something like I just, just didn't do it. <laughs> so I'm a pretty obsessive golfer. My pace of play is fast. I have a, you know, a, a tenacity for golf courses that rivals anybody in the country, anybody listening to this podcast. I probably love golf courses more than everybody out there. I feel like. <laughs> um, Cause I, you know, I talked to the nut, the biggest nuts in the, in the game and we're like, yeah. we're the same sort of, same sort of thing. I just can't get enough of them. And it was a pleasure. I feel like I kind of satisfied some of that appetite I had by seeing so much golf and really all these different things gives me a really good perception of like what's good what's kind of average even like good stuff is still is still good and there's a lot of good in, in the united states but what really sticks out and where do you find that in in the u.s and so i have a a good grasp of uh, of what that is in the american golf landscape now like nobody else would i mean it's there's very few people i think that have played golf in all 50 states and uh you know, I'm and I'm one of them. Yeah, it's 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 nuts. You know, the the more that I and and we as a podcast get into this game, and the more people that we speak to, you kind of realize like you're not alone out there. You know, you, you always think like, ah, oh, maybe I'm the golf nut of my bunch, and you might be, right. but there's a hundred thousand of you out there that you know that are the, like the golfiest nerd of their little crew that that they're with. Um, and it's crazy how this game just kind of sucks you in and, and becomes a, a lifestyle. That's one of the things we talk about all the time on the podcast is, is it's not just a game. Like there's people that play football, there's people that play baseball or basketball, but, but that's not a lifestyle, you know, it doesn't, uh, reflect itself in people's personality traits like this game does. And I feel like, and correct me if I'm wrong and give me some experiences out there that maybe relate to this, but I feel like if I meet somebody that's kind of a diehard golf nerd like myself. Like it doesn't, nothing else matters. You know what I mean? That connection within the game is so strong that I can overlook, you know, almost anything except for you playing like a seven hour round. You know what I mean? Aside from that, oh, yeah. like, I'm good, man. <laughs> Most golf nuts will not play seven hour rounds. If you're a big fan of golf and like obsessive about it, yeah. you get golf and you're playing a seven hour round, there's something wrong with you. You know, <laughs> yeah. Um, you're, and I just, you just don't run those people that are really obsessive and, and do that sort of seven hour thing. Um, and so, but you're absolutely right. I mean, that was what was cool about the tour is I reached out to anybody that wanted to play early on, and then it became too much for me to get to everybody. So if you're listening and I missed your request and we didn't sync up, please accept my sincere apologies because you're probably awesome. Just like a lot of the people I met with the majority of people, but when, so it's like, you've never met this person before. You're meeting strangers on the internet every single day, every single day, there's a new person that you've never met before. And you think that like, there'd be some like just wacko weirdo kind of whatever's. And the, the bottom line was everybody, I cannot think of one person. I was like, man, that dude was a psycho. Um, everybody was like, was awesome. Some, some are more awesome than others, but everybody I really enjoyed with. And that's unbelievable to me. Because you go in the general public, I probably like would enjoy talking to 5% of them. You know, it's like, <laughs> it's just don't, there's a lot, a lot of dumb people out there. But, you know, in golf, it feels like, and I think that's because we have that connection, that bond. 
they love golf, I love golf, and then you just start golfing with them, and then you're like best buds for like. I mean, I can't tell how many people. It's like, man, if I live here, I'd hang out with these, this guy all the time. Or yeah, have a I, new friend. I, I wish there was a state with like amazing weather and amazing golf courses that all golf nerds and like diehard golf fans could move to and it's like oh well yeah pat lived down the block from me or or you know this dude only lives 20 minutes away now because we all live here in this you know magical shangri-la of golf heaviness (laughs) yeah that's if you want to come up with that i'll i'll gladly join you there i think i can get some sponsors on board yeah yeah but um yeah i mean that was it's such a cool thing to have i i feel like i have friends in all 50 states now and the, the problem is just keeping up with all of them because there's a lot of people that I would really enjoyed spending more time with. And then it just moved quickly and moved fast. And yeah. the thing is, I've, I've kept in touch with a lot of people and mostly a lot of people have kept in touch with me as well. And we've been able to meet up and the, the network, gets really fun when it gets bigger. And your Instagram does a great job of bringing or just social media in general of bringing people together. For example, the other day, I met the waste management or not the waste management, but I'm in Phoenix, Arizona. And I played Scottsdale National, which is a great place. And I got my stories up there. And I got like three or four messages from a couple of pals that were in town. And so I was like, oh, I didn't know you guys were here. And then you go over and you, you hang out with them or you meet up with them, spend some time with your, with your friends. You might have missed otherwise because you just didn't think to coordinate your, you know, you're not telling everybody where you go all the time. But on social media, you are. So people can, people can meet up with you. And that's, that's happened a number of times where like somebody's, Oh, I'm just here. And I saw you're here. Like, let's meet up. And you're like, cool. And it happens. So social media has been great for that. And I think that's the trick about it too, is that social media can be really healthy, really cool and make your life better because it can bring those people together. And it can also be like, I was just noticing it today. I'm not at the Phoenix, the waste management open. And so, like, there's this tremendous, like, fear of missing out. Like, my life sucks. <laughs> and you're like, I'm not there doing whatever on the 16th hole. It's okay. You know, you don't need to be doing that. Um, so if you get too swept up in this sort of my life isn't good enough, it can really quickly – I've noticed it. Everybody notices it. It make you feel bad about what you got going on in your own life. And the, mat- the bottom line is, I can tell you from somebody that my life looks amazing on, on social media, everybody's going to be – everybody's going to be like that. You're always going to, you know, that your life isn't always glamorous. And that's the case for everybody being behind the scenes with a lot of these, whoever's doing this or that. It's not always great. Um, So my, my sort of approach to that, and this is, um, I was talking with Sean Ogle of Breaking 80, who runs another golf blog and he's got something above his desk where he works and he's got a sign that says, are you creating or consuming? And I thought that was a cool thing because he's all, I mean, if you're creating, you're living your life and kind of doing your cool thing, being you in that good, positive headspace. Whereas you're consuming, if you're over-consuming, and it's really easy to do that, you can get kind of on that, down that negative space too quickly. Um, some of it's good, but you got to watch yourself. And so I, I feel like creating and doing what you enjoy is a great ticket to enjoying social media in a healthy manner. Yeah, I think finding a balance between the two, like you said, is is just super important, especially within the golf game. Because if, you know, most people in golf are following the same eight, nine hundred thousand kind of, you know, golf influencers, like you said, like yourself included, that that yeah. look to live this incredible life. And it's funny because I was 
a, a few buddies of mine were like, oh, hey, you're coming out to the waste management. I said, no, I'm not. It's just that I think I would love to in a practice round. And it's just I love tournaments that are small. There's not a ton of people like the, the waste management is great. I, I love what they've done. It's fantastic yeah. once a year. Um, it looks like a blast. Yeah, I'll, I'll get to the to the 16th and the 17th once in my lifetime, but I'm not sure I could do that every year with with kind of uh, a lot of the randoms that show up just kind of to, to be seen, you know? I like right. those nondescript out-of-the-way tournaments where, you know, you're walking a fairway with Wyndham Clark and there's four people out there, you know, something along those lines. No offense to Wyndham Clark. He had an amazing round to start off, you know, but just a lesser-known guy out there. Right. Um, well, me, I'm with you. People. I'm with you 100%. And that's what's cool about golf is that this week we've got our Super Bowl party. It's our, it's our beer bash. And, you know, that's this week. And then there's so many different things in golf, different venues and stadiums. It's like, you know, on a football field, there's always 100 yards and it's kind of, you know, you're getting. But on a golf course, it can be night and day, you know, from yeah. Royal, Royal Melbourne to um, – you know, <laughs> waste management. Those are two different, well, the two different things. And that's, that's what you get in golf. And I think that's, what's cool about it. Um, and it goes back to my desire to explore those different venues. Cause they're so neat. They're so neat from just, I mean, we can, we can talk about it. And there are podcasts that they talk about go- nothing but golf courses and golf course architecture. So. Yeah. Love well, it. I want to, I want to pick your brain a little bit as to some of the courses that you played during the course of that year. <laughs> Um, you had the fortunate access to be on some of the greatest courses in the country. Um, Seminole, Cypress, Sleepy Hollow, uh, you know, uh, just a ton of them. So, and I, I could see your eyes and, and the memories kind of coming back, um, as I mentioned those. So I guess for the regular people out there, right, the municipal golfers out there, the non-country club people, how did these experiences kind of happen? How did these invites, was it just very organic? And then, and then let me piggyback on that. Did you have a set list of courses that you wanted to play? Or was it one of those things where it was just like, hey, this guy offered, like, I'm not passing that up, dude. Yeah, yeah. So it's a combination of all these things. There's no, like, I think the... I mean, even I was, you know, back before I had a social media presence, I was like, what's the magic key to go play all these courses? And unfortunately, it's not like just one simple thing that you can do. You have to start doing a number of different things. And it all comes back to like building your network, which social media definitely helps with. But like the number one thing that I I learned is like you have to be like awesome to play golf with. You have to be fun. People have to like you. People have to like you. And if yeah. people like you. And so here's how I, here's how I did the whole thing. So, um, when I first started out, it was like, I was like, got all my States. I did, I did different weeks and then I had States. So I plotted them all. I was like, all right, there's my 52 weeks. And that was a chore in itself. Cause you're thinking, where do I want to spend summer? Do I, I mean, I obviously you'd want to spend summer everywhere, but you can't. So you got to pick your spots. And then, so I have my whole thing down and then I pick the courses that I want to play. There was a, like sleepy hollow. You mentioned that. That was like, I got to play freaking sleepy hollow. I'm going to do whatever I can to get out. You know, I'm calling all sorts of favors or whatever. But so I wrote down all these different places that I'd want to play. All the top one, everything, you know, so I looked at all the different things. Um, and then I obviously I, I didn't know a lot about every every area. So then I opened it up to anybody that wanted to play. And then the request came in. I didn't get a lot at first, probably like 100 people. 
um, reached out and said, hey, come when you're in Arkansas, come, come play here. And that was just right at first. But every day there'd be like five or five new ones or maybe less or maybe more. And then I remember I did a podcast with Shane Bacon who runs a great, great pod yep. and has been a, been a friend for uh, a couple of years. And he, he, uh, he put me on his podcast. And then that day I got like 200 requests and then like their quests just like got too much. It was great. I was like, <laughs> yeah. You know, you're like, Oh gosh, I have to, that's by the time I got to New York, I remember I was there for 14 days and I was like, there's like 75 people that want to play golf with me, which is really cool but you realize quickly that how are you going how do you you have 14 days and you got you do 36 each day right so you only have so many courses that's 28 courses if you're going 36 a day for for two weeks and then you got 75 people and to fit all their schedules in with your schedule becomes really difficult if you think about that so that's what i'm doing on a day-to-day basis from a planning and organizing schedule and then things are falling apart things are not falling apart but like canceling moving around different people are coming in. So like you're, this is, I don't know, how, looking back is like, how did I do that? <laughs> I'm just thinking about it now. And then, and then it, I left myself open too for the, the organic to happen. So, um, you know, sometimes I would have an afternoon that would be open or I would kind of just leave it, leave it open. Like I'd get down and I'd be like, I don't have any, there's a couple of times I get down. I was like, I don't know we're playing tomorrow. <laughs> That's, that was kind of fun because I'd <laughs> always find someplace. Um, but like we played, you know, so somebody calls up the thing about it is like, for example, I played, um, what's the one up on uh, Cape Cod, uh, Eastward Ho. Mm-hmm. And, and I played Eastward Ho and it was a great day. It's like, this is great. And this is one of the first courses for one of the first guys that reached out to me. So I loved it. And we're playing. I was like, what are you doing tomorrow? I was like, ah, I don't know. I don't know yet. This is the afternoon. And I wasn't sure where I was going to play. And he's like, well, why don't you come play uh, the country club? And for those <laughs> people that that know anything about top 100 golf courses the country club is is not an easy tee time to get and uh i was i was like okay let's go and then after that we i ran into somebody sent me a message and we went and played uh, cape cod national and then that turned into the the head pro said hey why don't we go check out this great little um highland links at the very tip in truro um cape cod it's like this one of the few links courses in america that's true links it's like this quirky little thing it's just grand and he after we played there he took me out and, and like you know we just so it snowballs if you get what i'm saying yeah you know those yep. relationships and people are wildly open to helping you when you're doing something as unique as this um versus just some guy calling up hey can i get out in this course i want to play this course if you're like a box checker or whatever i obviously keep track of all the courses i've played but I mean, I'm for the experience and for the people, and and that's what's really fun when you play enough golf. You know that that day obviously sticks out. And I remember the fact that we we did that. We said, "Let's." He remember he took off work. He's like, "No, I'm going to show you." I don't think it's <laughs> freaking cool. And he, when we drove up to uh, to Truro and played out there for that afternoon, it was play with this really loud couple from New Jersey, and it was freaking awesome. It was a good day, you know. And that was a day that wasn't planned previously, so. That's what, that's what was the magic of the RGV tour. That's where that lies. And I've got, you know, as you can imagine, a hundred of those stories. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's one of the, I mean, for my money, that's one of just the coolest things in golf is how people just love to share not only their courses, but their experiences with it. And everyone wants to say to you, Hey man, like, come check out my course. 
And to us, we might be like, oh my God, like that's hallowed ground, that place. But, you know, once you get to know people, and like you said, once people realize like you're cool, you're down to earth, they're just like, no, dude, like it's just my golf course. Like, come on, you know? Yeah. Um, and that's, that's just like, I love that. I love hearing that. And I, I've been fortunate enough to experience that stuff. I know friends that have, and it's just, it's so cool to see people from all across the country kind of buy into that mantra of, you know, just kind of help other people explore the game. Maybe, you know, I, I'm, I'm from the East coast, right. And, uh, you know, I've played once or twice out in California, but to know that I know people out in California that have been like, look, dude, anytime you get to the left coast, like no joke, it's not BS hit me up, you know, <laughs> we will play. And if I come to PA or Jersey or New York, like you better damn well meet me and we're going to play. And that's just, and I'm sure you've got that times a thousand, uh, yeah, it's gone just, through this to the point where it's difficult to keep track. <laughs> so people like next time you're out here. And it's like, I don't know when I'm going to be out there next time. And like, so I always, <laughs> I'm like, you know, I just, a lot of times I count on people getting more and more busy to, to reach out to me, whereas I try to do my best, but it's a, you know, it, the network gets big when you're, when you do the social media and it, and it becomes, that's the challenge. I feel like it, with social media, most of us could reach out to that network and find a way to talk to somebody and you could pretty, you could play anywhere else if you're good about making friends. And, uh, I feel like doing favors for others is, is a, I mean, not that you would do the favor for others and with an expectation of, of getting a return favor. But once you start, you're a generous person, you realize that you're getting like way more back than you're giving. Yeah. And, yeah. and so I think that's, that's certainly evident in some of the most successful business people in the world. You know, you look at guys like, you know, Bill Gates or Warren Buffett, and these guys are doing everything they can to give their money away. And it, and it just, and, and it just comes back to them more so in more satisfying ways too. So uh, that's a, that's something that works with just the reciprocity of like playing different golf clubs. Um, and so I always try to give as much as I can, because somebody said a while ago, you know, you always hear these guys that are like, Oh, golf has given so much to me. And um, they're just trying to give back. And I was like, well, right. that's for, that's for, like tour pros and dudes that have like made a living doing it. And now I'm thinking like, wow, actually that somehow happened to me. That happened to me. Golf did that for me. And it was when I, when I kind of, um, when I embraced the, that sort of mantra is to be awesome, be fun to play with and, um, and give back. And then it just happened. Um, so <laughs> lucky me, I feel, I feel pretty lucky to, to have so many friends in golf and to be, around the game on a, on a daily basis, um, talking about it, writing about it, sharing my stories, talking to find people like you. I mean, I it's, appreciate it's, it's just grand. It's grand. Yeah. Well, you know it, what, what I think most people can take from that, you know, the old adage corny as it may be that it's better to give than to receive is that, you know, like you said, you, you're not wanting anything in return, but it's going to come back to you in, in, in spades. I mean, the bottom line is everybody can do it at their own level. You know, it, it might be a tour pro giving yeah. hundreds of thousands of dollars to a charity. It could be you bringing someone out to a course that they would never experience on their own. You know, it could be me giving a voice to somebody that can't get their voice out there. I mean, there's so many ways to do that within the game of golf. And it's mm -hmm. awesome to hear you say that, you know, that you've kind of taken up that that um, that part in golf, you know, to to do your part to help others in there. That's, that's, that's fantastic. Have you ever met anyone that's said to you like, Hey Pat, look, dude, 
I followed you. That was fantastic. Like I'm going out now for three months or, you know, I have this whole trip planned and and I'm not going to let the golf stop after two weeks. You know, I'm going to keep going. Have you met anybody like that? Yeah. I get messages like that all the time. Uh, with the people have, have done it. I know Tom, Tom Coyne is a, is a fellow golf warrior and he, uh, he, he had done it in a different aspect for me. He did. He wrote that book called, uh, a uh, course called Ireland. Uh, yeah, and a course we're, called we're, Scotland, and he's he's out now on a course called America. And Tom, I, I know you listen, and him and I have gone back and forth in the last three months trying to hook up, and it's always like, oh, Dan, I'm at this course. Can you do tomorrow? And just like with you, I said, oh, I got basketball practice tomorrow. You know, yeah, <laughs> it's, yeah. it's, it's difficult to coordinate. <laughs> yeah, so Tom, Tom is, a, is a member of the RGV Tour. Um, he invited me out. I, I put a tweet out on Twitter when I was, um, I think it was 13 years of sobriety at that point. Um, and Tom's, uh, Tom's part of the club as well. And so he saw that and he's like, you're a golf nut and you're a sober dude. Uh, we got to play golf. And so I met him at his club in Philly <laughs> and we played and did a podcast and we've been pals ever since we just would run into each other here and there. And Tom, Tom is like a, is, is an awesome dude. He's, he's funny, he's smart and he's, he's generous as all can be. He gets it. He gets it too. So, so I mean, Tom's obviously, and after, so he was in between, a course called Scotland just finished up and it was, I didn't, nobody knew about a course called America yet. And so before he did it, he was like, he's like, he called me up and he's like, Hey man, I just want you to know, I didn't like snake your idea. I'm going to be kind of doing this thing. It's like part of the trilogy of the book. And I was like, Tom, like you're kind of the, you're partly an inspiration for this. So like the fact that he would call me just to make sure that he, he wasn't like, you know, just clear in the air there, which there would have never been anything if he not um, just gives you an idea that, the sort of dude, dude that Tom Coyne is, um, he's a man, he's a man. And, and uh, I can't say enough good things about him. We've had a couple, uh, we've played a couple rounds since, uh, since the tour. And I'm, I'm a member of his, of course, called America. I think, well, there's some more video stuff coming up and there's, I don't know if I'll make the book, but um, maybe it will. We'll see. Yeah. And we don't, I don't necessarily like to give free ads, but Tom Coyne can have all the free ads that he wants uh, for <laughs> everything from, you know, Scotland, Ireland, America, uh, Paper Tiger, you know, any of those are just uh, fantastic Good reasons. If you, if, yeah. If you don't read any type of golf books at all, like it, that should be your starting point. Like that should be the golfer's nerd Bible right there. You know, start, start with those without a doubt. Um, can I get you to tell, some stories from out there. I, uh, some ones that always stick out to me when I think back of, of kind of following the tour was, yeah. um, I, I want to say it was, gosh, this is a completely two different states. It was either North Carolina, North Dakota with the black bear. Am I? Yeah. Yeah. North what, Carolina. I, yeah. It was Carolina. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, this is a good one. I haven't told this story in a while. It's pretty, it's good. So it's the ninth green, I remember it was a Jack Nicholas course. And then uh, like around 150 golf courses, the name started blurring. I was really yeah. good and, until sure. I got to like 150, 200. Um, then it was a Jack course and I was like way better than I expected it to be. But anyway, so I'm, I'm playing, gosh, it's not going to come to me. Uh, I'm playing the ninth hole. So the approach is a nine. I remember I hit a nine iron over this thing. It comes up by the clubhouse and there's a creek. And I, anyways, I hit it to the right over between, it's kind of like a, tree line then there's a little rough and then there's the the green and my ball's in the rough I'm walking up there's these dudes maintenance guys they're just like eyeballing me and i was like first i think that they're like 
maybe recognize me that would happen from time to time. Pretty, pretty common actually, which was, which was cool. But these guys are kind of like really staring at me. It's a little different. And so I'm like, ah, oh, there's something going on. Anyways, it's all like looking at me, staring me. I'm walking over and I like hit my, hit my chip from over there by the woods. And they're eyeballing me. I, I don't get up and down. I remember I missed the par putt. I was kind of pissed about it. Uh, not really. Um, but, you know, I was a little, ah, that'd have been cool if it went in. But so then the guys start walking up to me. I'm like, okay, let's figure out what these guys want. And so I go up and I'm like, man, you are one crazy ass dude. I was like, well, I mean, it's just a bogey. Uh, and they're like, no, man, like, look back over there, like right back where you were. So I turn around. And like right by the tree line, there's this black bear just chilling in there, like eating some berries or leaves. I don't know what he was eating, um, but he was probably like, I mean, couldn't have been more, it was like eight or nine feet away from where I was, which is unreal to be that close to a wild freaking bear. And yeah. it's massive. He's like, I don't know. He's like, oh, what do they weigh? Like 600 pounds. He's big. He's a big they black can. bear. Yep, without a doubt. We have them out by us here. And uh, we have some that come out to my bird feeder and destroy it. Like we have a love hate relationship. Yeah. I love seeing them but they destroy my bird feeders, you know, every single year. So uh, they can get massive, trust me. Yeah, the funny part was that, like, you know, he probably, I just, like, sensed that I didn't even care about him, and I was just playing golf. It's like, oh, this guy's playing golf, just eating my leaves. <laughs> and we he were just cool. We were, like, in harmony. It's like, no big deal. And uh, if I would have known, I probably wouldn't have, I don't know what I'd done. Probably I'd taken a picture or something um, of him and not hit my chip until he got, he got out of the way. But, you know, that was... That was one of the bear encounters. There was another one the next day where I like kind of scared a couple of bears, but I was in like a, I was driving a cart at, um, not Wade Hampton, the other one there, mountaintop, mountaintop. Um, but you know, that wasn't as, I was like, I was in a car and he kind of ran off a um, couple bears, a lot of wildlife, but that's the one that's jumping at me right now in terms of encounters was the bear encounter. What about, uh, you ever bump into anybody on the course that you were just like, wow, like I would never meet this person in, in real life except for out here? Right. Um, here's a good one. Um, so I'm going to Sleepy Hollow. We'll just loop back that, that in. And I pull, I'm, I'm pulling up, or getting, we're meeting our host for the day. And we're sitting there and he's like, oh man, it's a bit of a delay. Something along those lines. Uh, we gotta, he's like, we're going to have to play behind bill clinton today. <laughs> i was like oh yeah it sucks i was like yeah, really? damn <laughs> i was like damn it's like so we're all just waiting around for bill to show up i'm like yeah and so you know we're kind of hanging out we're like excited to be at sleepy hollow checking out the clubhouse and just talk talking get ready to play and i turn around and there's there here's bill clinton just walking right at me and i like reached out i was all excited i just felt like i knew him somehow and i was like oh hey bill and i shook his hand like we've been pals for like Years. <laughs> and he obviously didn't know my name but he shook my hand like a like just the smooth dude that he is and went out and uh and we watched some tee off and we played we played golf behind uh it was uh bill clinton and james patterson james patterson the author and they were they just wrote co-wrote a book that my parents actually got me for christmas um i haven't had time to read it but they <laughs> then so they were like on their book tour i don't know which involved playing golf at sleepy hollow but it's funny because, you know, it's like Bill Clinton's in the group in front of you. You kind of watch him play get some weird, weird shots. But if you like YouTube Bill Clinton and get him talking about golf, it's clear that that man like has a great passion. He's got a way with words, too, obviously, as a former leader of our, of our country. He can he can weave a good sentence. But to listen to him talk about golf, it is 
it is fun. You can tell that he just, he just loves it so much and he understands it, even though he's not, uh, you know, a scratch golfer, you don't need to be, you just got to enjoy and he gets it. And so I've always, I remembered that when I saw Bill, it's like, Bill gets the game, um, at, at a, at a, at a gut level. So that was a cool one to, yeah. to bump into old, old Clinton. That's very cool. Um, now, living in the RV for a year straight, obviously, must have had some of its uh, its own quirks and uh, its own uh, problems to deal with. Uh, how was that? I mean, had you ever been like, were, did you grow up camping? Did you grow up going uh, RV? Yeah, I knew nothing, man. I knew nothing. So it, about it was RVs. baptism by fire. Really, really. Yeah. I, another guy that did an, a similar RV tour uh, that I actually didn't learn about until i kind of already bought the rv uh, was jordan griggs of the dapper drive so he did something somewhat similar not as like aggressively insane as what i did but just some really cool stuff and he had an rv they were living that rv lifestyle there's a whole community of people that do it and i reached out to him because i was like dude i don't know what i'm doing like i literally I, i'm con- confused about electricity or where i'm gonna stay like am i gonna i don't even know you're just kind of like overwhelmed at this point you're planning this tour and you're just like, what's going on? And I talk, remember I talked to Jordan. We had a good conversation. I felt like 100 times better. It's, I don't know how much I actually – I got a couple tips that from him, and it just made me feel better. And that gave me the confidence to, to hit the road there in Seattle um, when, I, when I took off. But I knew nothing. Um, things that are, I know now, Walmarts are your friend. Usually <laughs> I would come in late and leave early because I'm golfing late and golfing early. So – they were pretty lenient about me just like crashing for the night. And I'm, I've got a website on my side of my thing. I, I think they just don't want, you know, drug, drug crackheads in their parking lot. So they, sure. most people would leave me alone. I, I would just, you know, park there briefly. I'm not living there. I'm just like, Hey, I just want to sleep and then go, um, which is, you know, sometimes it's just nice not to be driving everywhere. Right. Always, you know, to like chill, just lay there and zonk out. But like the side of the roads were cool. I mean, yeah, the adventures, you just places you go, pull over. Um, and, uh, you know, I'd, I'd plug into people's driveways because you're always looking for water and electricity, like your two things. And you don't want to pay because you can always go to an RV stop every night. But then you pay like 30, 40 bucks every night. It's like that's it's not what I wanted to do from a finance perspective, right. especially when you can, you know, just park it and find a place and it's free. But you got to have water and electricity. So. Um, you're looking for that people to hook up. I filled up on the hose a bunch of times, plug it into people's garages. Um, and sometimes you can't do that, but you got a generator on there. Generator broke. Fixing that on the fly was a big thing. I remember I dropped it off in New Hampshire at the dealer that fixed my generator, did the state of Rhode Island, came back and then put my generator back in. It's tough not having electricity that I could generate on my own, but you know, you just plug in your electronic pieces at the golf club while you come. I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff, but thinking back, um, so you really appreciate the electricity and the the joy of a fully charged iPhone or a, a, an iPhone or or a camera or drone batteries. In my case, was very important. So, where is the RV now? Do you still have it? Did you often sell it? I've still got it. I've still okay, got it. I, was in it. I was in it today. It's in the parking <laughs> lot. Of, the parking lot of Medterra. I think we're going to repurpose it for Medterra. Oh, that's been, awesome. That's fantastic. Yeah, so, we, so we could wrap it in the, the Medterra and then do, do mm-hmm. same, sim, similar sort of things. Um, vents and uh, 
sales support, field staff, uh, sales support, a lot of cool, there's opportunities to do stuff with that are endless. Um, when you talk about the experiences in the field, people are much more interested in, in that than, uh, you know, than doing something from an office. So I think that's where the content comes from. So you'll probably see that in the next, uh, you know, sometime soon. Very cool. Very cool. Did you ever think, uh, you know, a year or two ago when you were planning this, that it would lead to where you are now? No, that was kind of, kind of like, I mean, honestly, I knew I was going down someplace and I didn't know where it was going to go. And I was like, it could end up anywhere. It could end up with me like broken and dead. <laughs> and <laughs> it didn't, you know, um, <laughs> that's good. And, and, but I knew it was going to be exciting. I knew it was a road down the path that I was thrilled to do i was excited and so that was the idea i was like i don't know what i'm going to do after this and i'm going to leave it open because i know there's going to be some opportunities out there um there's opportunities that probably were right in front of me that i didn't even didn't even know were there because i was moving so fast and there were so many opportunities so i knew i was going to obviously there's no way i could have guessed that it would lead to the sort of things that happened um and it all snowballs i mean if i looked at my my year after the tour, my 2019, they went through like my top 10 things. And it was ridiculous, the things that I wrote down. I mean, I had to leave things off like they were insane. Um, and the things that my top top 10 favorite moments were really powerful things that would, I mean, would, I mean, I played golf on the uh, old course with Bill Murray. And that was indirectly, you know, part of this path I went down. That is a, a sentence that is uh, at the top of many and golfers like I'd love to do that, but it will never happen. Type thing, and I was a I'm the dude that did that, um, and so now you know Bill and I are our homies. It's great. Yeah, that's <laughs> it's it's just it, it's wild. I mean, I loved following along. I loved you know obviously I loved your photography. I loved the drone shots, and and even before the RGV was um, you know announced, I loved the way that you put your spin on golf courses, use of lighting, et cetera. It's just uh, fantastic. And then to go see these courses that, uh, you know, you mentioned the one in New Mexico, you know, and, and that you played. I think you brought light to so many courses that people would not normally see or normally know about. And, and that's the coolest thing to me because – you know, there's that like the top hundred golf or the top hundred golf digest list. And then there's like the Instagrammable courses like Sweetens <clears throat> that everybody knows about. But you were able to to show courses from all 50 states that I mean were phenomenal, but never get any love. You know, you kind of give love to the to the little guys um of the golf world out there, which I thought was neat. So I'm gonna ask you this. Um, what was the best kind of top tier course you played, but then what was your best under the radar course that you could go back to and play for the rest of your life? Um, we had t- top tier places like Oakmont and Cypress Point. It's like that top, the top of that list is is accurate. You know, those courses are unbelievable for a lot of different reasons, um, for the variety, for the challenge, the way that they engage your golf brain, the sense of just history, the lore, the fact that you're actually there, um, mm-hmm. and, and the beauty and the uniqueness of some of the design features, things you will not see anywhere else in golf exist on places like Cypress Point, like Oakmont. So those were the ones that are like, yeah, obviously there's really good golf you can talk about the differences between those and why, why a place like Cypress Point, and then 
and people will sit there and disagree with me. They say Cypress Point's overrated, which is actually, which is fun because it's what makes golf courses great. We can always have those, those arguments and those, those differences and everybody's got opinions and it's, it's fun to discuss because nobody's wrong. Nobody's wrong. Um, I, I think some people have seen more and have, have a higher level of like what else is out there. Um, so their opinions tend to get respected more, but I don't think anybody's wrong. You know, when you come in from a, you know, you like this for that reason or this, it's like, that's the, the game of golf for you. That's your, your sort of world. And, uh, you're, you know, it's cool that you can get in there and, and, and appreciate the game for however little or as much as you you've played. And that's, what's, that's, what's cool about it. Um, so at the high level, those are kind of the numbers, um, or the courses that stick out to me. Um, and let's go under the radar. The one that I keep, I keep coming back to, is a place called Davenport Country Club because I hadn't heard of Davenport Country Club until I went to Chicago and, you know, people start telling you, I was like, oh, you should play Chicago Golf Club or this or that. I was like, yeah, I know that. Um, (laughs) I think most people that are golf course nuts do know that. They know the top 100. But Davenport Country Club is just as good as some of the top 100s that are out there. And I never heard of it. And it's freaking freaking awesome. Uh, So I go out to Davenport, my parents at this time were like joined up and they were like, we were did a little Chicago thing. We went to Notre Dame game and it was the fall and we caught Davenport country club with some, with some fall foliage. And it was so fun. I remember my dad um, walked along with me. He had, he had an issue with some of the spots. So it wasn't fun for him to play, but he, he came out and he walked along with me. And um, I love that course. That was in, it's kind of an old school, vibe i think it has 16 it's like back in the day sports illustrated said it was one of the greatest golf holes like the best 18 or whatever it was but it's got a little plaque there and it's like it's really good golf hole um so a place like that just up out of nowhere blew my mind away and there's a lot of places like that uh, so you got to watch out for those and have it be open to it too because i think golf is so much like you've heard that this course is great so then it like kind of becomes great if you heard and it that's those opinions sort of snowball it's hard to remain open to sometimes you're like you hear a negative thing about a place and then um that opinion of somebody else's can influence yours but that was a good one um i'm trying to think of other ones there was one in vermont that's a uh, it's eluding me now too many golf courses flying through my brain um Dorset, Dorset Field Club. That's it. That was one. That, it's like the oldest course in the U.S., I think. And it's another old school one that has these really cool grains. And it was, uh, that's another one. I mean, I, I would I could go through the list and we could talk for like two days straight about the yeah, four and five. Sure. <laughs> sure. You know? And I'm sure you were continually surprised, you know, day by day as you as you approach and and play these courses and probably look back at, you know, at the end of the year and just go, oh, my gosh, like, you know, we're, we're OK. Like golf's in a good place. We're we're fine. You know? Yeah, it's good. It's good. I mean, you, people say that golf's dying. It's like, no, it's just it's changing. Um, and some people are leaving the sport and there's opinions that, um you know, it's got this old attitude and there's definitely like a huge crop of like new, interesting, fun. You look at guys like no laying up or doing great things for the game and pushing right. it in the right, sure. the right direction. And those guys are going to be a big force. They already are in the terms of like you, to see how they affect it when they get into the higher, higher ranks. I mean, I, I would see guys like that having 
positions of power in the in the golf universe as it grows up. But golf changes very slowly. It's conservative, which is kind of part of the part of the game as well. But there's also some bad things about golf um, that people think of: um, racism, sexism, those sort of things. Like their golf is associated with those. And um, yeah, and I think we're doing a good job to say that there's no place for that stuff in the game um and and kind of moving forward and pushing some of those people and those beliefs out of it um out of the game and I, personally i just like i just want to share my journey and my my version of fun like golf is a game it's fun it's amazing it's beautiful and so like that's what i want to share with people and and uh, and yeah. encourage other people to see that that i mean i i have a lot of fun and you can too Come on out, you know, and everybody that I played with on the RGB tour had a great freaking time. So I don't know if that makes a difference. I think it does. Maybe makes a small difference in, in my part in, in growing the game. That cliche term growing the game. But like, I think it's, you know, kind of changing it, changing the game. Uh, and there'll be some some growth associated with that as the younger people that are interested in having fun and playing games that are unique. Um, discover golf. And then you'll see, I don't, I'm not concerned about it. I don't think any, anybody's not really concerned that golf's going to die. It's go away. Like that's, that's a silly idea to me. Yeah. That's, that's, it's not happening. It's uh, we, we did a, um, I'll tell you a funny story. We did a collab with a company called breakfast ball um, blog a while back. And, you know, at kind of vetting their company and looking into it. Yeah. Uh, we were like, all right, yeah, you, you know, cool. We'll let lend out our logo and stuff like that. But what hooked me is they had this one T-shirt that just said, I want to golf with dope people. <laughs> like, that's that's it. Like, that's that's, that's golf good. in a nutshell. Like, that's what I want to do. I want to talk with. I want to experience golf with just cool people, you know? that's yeah. And if you can do that, then the game is fine. Yeah. There's nothing I, wrong with it. I saw a good one yesterday. We were at the uh... – the golf ball golf gods event and this group of dudes came up they had these yellow t-shirts on it and it just said fuck you let's golf <laughs> and I, that, that right there you go yeah it's like i know it's just just as golf <laughs> correct yeah i saw those guys towards the end of the night too and i and uh they definitely did uh some drinking as well as some golfing uh, which was that tournament's uh just kind of a party anyways but that was another day is like golfing with really cool people awesome people the, the the coolest um yeah and that so that sort of stuff is just it's everywhere um once you once you get into the world yeah it's just about connecting with good people all right i hey right. i've monopolized a ton of your time i want to ask you one last question uh before we get you out of here can you just describe yourself now compared to the patrick that started the journey oh yeah that's a good one i feel like i've totally changed as a person totally for the better for the better a lot of experiences other stories that i could like the kind of a, a core to that we, we don't have time to, to share all the different things but i would say a number so i go into this this kind of philosophy that i had and it goes back to like you know the giving more than receiving um, don't sweat the small stuff all these sort of cliches that you, everybody knows is true it's like yeah obviously that's true but when you look at people's lives they're not actually living those those their behaviors don't line up with the things that they believe which is odd and i was like that i would i would know these things but i just wouldn't live my life that way and i think that you need an experience that is profound enough that 
can teach you how to actually, because I was forced to, you know, not sweat the small things and, and, and start focusing on things that are prior priorities in order to like basically keep doing what I was doing and essentially survive. And that profound experience helped me to, to kind of live my, live my life in that, in that manner. So, I mean, that was a big one. I mean, if you, you get it down there to things that when things go wrong, I look at it more as an opportunity. And when I was younger, I would get like this. I was like, why didn't this go right? And I just get angry. That's such a dumb thing to, re- to react. You're so angry. You're like, oh, and it's just, <laughs> you're looking back. That's a stupid thing, but that's a lot of, a lot of people will get mad about when things don't go their way. And then that anger is just kind of there and it, it infects their life. Whereas now I honestly believe I can, I can do a pretty good job of taking something that didn't go right or a, something screwed up and, and look at it as like, now this, maybe there's an opportunity here and, and see what I can do. And, and it's not always great, but uh, uh, that having that mindset is unbelievable, makes an unbelievable difference in the things that you can get done and the sort of way you can turn something around and turn something that looked like it was going to be a disaster something fun or cool or helpful to those involved um i mean i'm yeah i'm uh what other ways if i if i improved as a human being um (laughs) i I feel like i'm better at just understanding where people come from and I, i know more of the country like uh you know not to get too involved in the politics and stuff but if you really understand where people come from and you see, you, you know, see where they live and how they do their life. And you get that through playing around a golf with somebody, you can really understand what's going on in their mind, what their life is like. You get that, the ability to empathize with somebody that you wouldn't have met before. And that is incredibly powerful because we're all people and you can identify and connect with anybody if you have an, have an open mind. And so when you're going out and playing with strangers all over the country and all, 47 of the lower states you're going to get a lot of that and uh and to have that experience of of just kind of identifying with different types of people is incredibly invaluable when you when you look to make relationships or meet new people and you know and value those relationships it's um i got a bunch of skills out of playing golf with with people and i didn't i was just just trying to meet new people and, and all of a sudden I realized hey I'm pretty good at this like I'm pretty good at like meeting new people and uh, you know talking to them and getting to to know people is, is exciting and I like doing it and it's it's rewarding yeah well I can't thank you enough because I, I was a fan of the tour I you know I watched its progression I would follow at work listen to the podcast oh, and honestly you it. know honestly one of the reasons why we kind of got into this and decided like, hey, you know what, we're going we're gonna to shine a light on, add the way we see the game, um, which, you know, again, is, is it much different than the golf nerds out there? No, but we love talking about it. We love meeting new people. So kind of same exact thing, you know, so I thank you for that. Now, I know our listeners and our Instagram followers probably follow you already on social media forms, but just give people um, your social media handles, where they can find you out there and how they can get in touch with you if need be. Well, I got I to gotta thank you, first off, for following along. I love it when people did that because it's kind of, you know, you just see these numbers and um, you don't know. And behind one of those numbers is a, is a person. So thanks for, so much for following along. That's oh, what powered sure. the tour. That's yeah. what powered the tour. Like the fact that you were sitting there watching me do all this dumb stuff and have fun <laughs> and, and, and we're loving it. Like that, that is, that's incredibly powerful to me. So um, thanks for doing that. 
you can find me now. I'm still doing all sorts of good golf journeys and good fun, uh, cool stuff uh, at PJ Koenig on Instagram. Uh, and then Twitter's Patrick J. Koenig. PJ Koenig is my website, pjkoenig.com. If you can look at every single golf photo that I've put up on pjkoenig.com, I'll give you some sort of, I'll send you a dozen golf balls because there, <laughs> there is a lot. I, I don't think people would leave the house. I don't, you know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> no, at this point, it's, 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 it's ridiculous. The amount of golf photos that I have up there, but each one of them is, is cool in its own regard. And I'll get requests for people to, you know, set, get a, they want a, a frame print of this one. It's Cause it's got like their parents' house in the background. It's now like burned down or something. Um, but you know, you capture those sort of moments in time. Yeah. And that's what I love about photography. Um, is that you capture that each one of those little moments that I was there on that call, golf course in 2018 on the RGV tour, I can go back and like, I remember that hole, or maybe I don't, <laughs> but, but there's those moments in time are captured and preserved and for other people to enjoy as well. So you find me out there on the internet folks. Awesome. Well, Patrick, thank you so much for your time. We greatly appreciate it. And people as always either get busy golfing or get busy dying. Oh, 